Hey drivers, it is hour number two right here on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking News. Thanks for being out there, man. It was good to see a lot of great folks at the Great American Truck Show in Dallas. A lot of fun. Good to see everybody. A lot of great informational seminars, a lot of great uh, exhibits, a lot of new toys on the showroom floor. And what was really great about it, guys, was having the opportunity to go out and see you in person. I want to thank each and every one of you that came up and said hello during the course of the program. Everybody was there, guys. Dave Nemo was broadcasting live. Kevin Rutherford was there. Uh, I was there as well. Casey Phillips was on board. We did a number of great things. We were talking about what was going on in the industry. Uh, we had a lot of great guests come up as well. Interviewed uh, the head of the FMCSA, Ray Martinez. And uh, you know they've got uh, a call to action, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. They need to hear uh, from you guys concerning uh, some of the proposals they want to put into place for the uh, changing up of the hours of service, like expanding the current 100 air mile short haul exemption from 12 hours on duty to 14 hours on duty, maybe extending the current 14 hour on duty limitation by up to two hours on a truck driver encounters adverse driving conditions. A couple of more that's on that list as well. You can go to the Federal Register and you can offer your thoughts, your feedback. They do need to hear from you guys. And uh, Mr. Martinez told us on the air that they've only got a 30 day window for drivers to be able to get their comments in. They need to hear from carriers, from drivers, from shippers. They need to hear from a lot of folks about ways to improve things that are certainly going on out there. I know one gentleman that follows all of that as well is Tim Ashoff, and he's the president, CWO, of Creek Carrier Corporation. He's also being joined by Jeremy Kirkman with Creek Carrier, the vice, the vice president of operations. Tim, it was good to see you the other day, and man, one of the big conversations for discussion, of course, uh, was what was going on with the uh, proposals uh, for the hours of service. Uh, what do you think about what is being proposed by the FNCSA? Would indeed this make the, the driver's day more efficient? Uh, would it make the company more efficient as well if these changes went? Well, I think they're talking about adding flexibility, and any flexibility that can be added should make a driver more flexible. You know, one of the things that uh, the, the EVOGS does is take away flexibility. But I think by the definitive information that now is is available with the EVOGS, providing some flexibility in the rules will be helpful to the driver and ultimately to their productivity. Okay, and this uh, gets right down to the bottom line. You know, when you look at uh, drivers being more efficient, safer, the productivity going up, that's what it's all about, right? And that's uh, what you do as a president, CWO of Creed and Schaefer. How do you define driver productivity these days? I'm sure there's a lot of multiple platforms with that. What do you, how would you describe it? There is, but ultimately it comes back to, you know, what can a driver safely drive in a given day using their 11-hour clock, and certainly that within their 14 hours. And so we do look at a couple of things. We look at, you know, how many miles per day can they drive, and then how many hours of that driving time are they using in an average day. Okay, and some of those uh, numbers in an average day, could that be maybe eight hours a day? Could that be six hours a day? I'm sure those numbers might vary, maybe from region sure. to region or customer to customer. 
Yeah, you know, typically we're seeing our drivers average, uh, you know, 8.3 to 8.6 hours a day in their drive time. So, you know, there's still room in there in that to, to get up to the 11. And so I think this is where we talk a lot with, with our customers and otherwise and saying, how do we allow a driver maximize their hours and, and get that 8.3 to 8.6 up to, you know, 9 or even closer to 10. All right. Uh, Jeremy Kirkman is also on board. We're Creek Carrier Corporation, the Vice President of Operations and I know you follow this uh, also. I mean, I'm sure this is probably one of the major items you look at day in and day out. Welcome to the program. You're a brand new voice on the show. Tell folks what you do as the VP of operations. Yeah, Mark, thanks for having me. You know, Vice President of Operations, within our operations department, um, you know, our primary objective is to make sure we're effectively and efficiently moving freight. And in order to do that, we got to make sure that what we have booked and how we have it scheduled works for our drivers. Okay, and this uh, means communication, obviously, back and forth with the driver. It could be uh, maybe through uh, maybe through electronic means, over the phone. There's a number of ways that you guys can reach out. Uh, to the driver to make sure they're productive, stay on track, in other words. Talk about that, if you will, that communication process. Yeah, um, you know, that, that's really what um, sets us apart or, or where we're able to excel is how quickly we can uh, share information and solve problems. And, and as you mentioned, there's several different ways of doing that. We can uh, uh, Qualcomm or we're uh, installing PeopleNet units now in our trucks, mm -hmm. so we can use those devices to communicate with our drivers. We've also developed an app that allows the driver to use their smartphone to communicate with us, and then you know, obviously still uh, a lot of problems we solve over the phone uh, that allows us to be more efficient in that communication and, and get to some answers quicker. Okay, Tim, let's talk about some of the driver productivity, having that communication base as the foundation for the building point of the conversation. Are there certain benchmarks that you guys have have uh, that uh, work directly with drivers to make sure that productivity is being maintained. What do you do? We do, and I think one of the first benchmarks, as Jeremy kind of alluded to, is making sure we have the right freight and we schedule that productivity productively. So we look at that at the beginning uh, when we're bringing freight on board. Is it is it good freight? Can it uh, drop and hook on the front end? Are our pickup times within a window to provide flexibility to the driver? And then you know, can it deliver uh, in a time frame that it effectively uses the driver's drive time then? And so, but but this is trucking, and so that's how you actually schedule it at the beginning. But then what happens along the way determines exactly how productive is a driver. So is it loaded on time when the driver gets there? Is there an issue at the shipper or at the receiver? Uh, is there things along the way, along the path, weather or otherwise, that impacts that? So then that's where the communication comes in um, to ensure that we are ultimately as productive as we have initially uh, thought the load would be. And then we have systems that measure that. We have systems that can tell us, um, you know, this load on this driver while we initially felt it was going to be productive when we scheduled it with the driver we have here it's it's not as productive as we'd like and then we can we in operations can look in that and say how do we make that load more productive even while the driver's on the load uh, and to, to allow them to more effectively utilize their time do you expect that uh, there's going to be more drop and hook uh, that may be become more prevalent in the industry or maybe for the companies overall for Creed and Schaefer uh, due to the fact of the tightening of the capacity situation. Are you expecting more drop and hook these days? 
We we do, and in fact, we are growing our drop and hook, and I think it's a, a couple of factors doing that. Yes, the tightening of the capacity overall, but also the you know the prolification of the electronic logs. Now, you know, we for many years have been tracking time. Uh, that that's the benefit of electronic logs that you know we've we've had for a long time. I know some drivers, you know, still ask, hey, what's the benefit of electronic logs? It provides us a lot of data, and so now we you know we track every load that we do with the customer and determine even after the fact, hey, was that a productive load? And then we look at the, the same loads over and over with the customer and say, hey, are, are are these loads really productive? Because we now know when a driver arrived, you know, how long it took him to load, when they left, what the drive time took, what it took at the receiver. So we can use that information now and say, you know, how do we change? And certainly one way of change is going to a customer saying, hey, you're taking way too long to load. Um, can we convert this to a drop and hook load so that we can use our driver's time more productively? So um, we are seeing good progress in that. We've always had a, um, a lot of drop and hook, but certainly to the, the more we can extend that, the better. And the more you can provide actual information to a customer, the more willing they are to change. And the electronic uh, log information has provided that actual information. Has it gotten to a point with some of the customers, <clears throat> pardon me, that uh, might say, well, we can't change because of this and that. Uh, do you think we will see more of uh, trucking companies in the industry saying, okay, we're going to have to walk away. we got to turn the business away. We just cannot afford to tie up our trucks. I mean, can that conversation be avoided at the outset uh, by simply laying down some of the parameters you were discussing about what the driver is going through? Uh, is it at that point for some? You know, we, we, we lay out those conversations, we try, and uh, we're happy when we have success, but when we don't, and yes, we, we do tell the customer, um, you know, the impact this is having on our driver, and we have to then tell them, look, either you have to be able to um, change that impact, or you're probably going to need to find another carrier. Um, is there a different different freight we can haul for you? Uh, because, you know, we have a lot of good long-term customers, um, but they do have to understand the impact that it's having to our driver, but also the impact as you mentioned, on overall capacity. I mean, inefficient shippers and probably more so receivers eat up a lot of capacity on a daily basis. You mentioned uh, the numbers like uh, average driving day of 8.6 uh, per, for the hours for the drivers out there. That seems pretty good. Am I correct in that? I mean, sure, it could be a whole lot better, but uh, man, is there a lot of uh, productivity that's built into that? Do you see a lot of success in those numbers being based on 8 hours? Yes, and I think uh, it is, I think it is good. We always want to look to improve. You know, we started tracking this a uh, number of years ago, and we have seen uh, you know improvement in that uh, over the years. You know, if you think about it, if you're going eight and a half hours a day, and you're running on average, you know, at least fifty miles an hour, probably more than that. But even at fifty miles an hour, you're doing you know four hundred twenty-five miles a day. Um, if you do that, you know, for for seven days, you're at three thousand miles for the week almost. So you know, that's that's a pretty good number. Um, we have a lot of drivers that obviously do more than that because it is an average um, but certainly we want to continue to, to uh, move that up but it's, it's not a bad day. Uh, Jeremy let me ask you this you know with a greater reliance on technology out there and what Tim was mentioning about the hours that are involved how important is it to maintain the human connection between operations and the drivers out there go through the uh, through your thoughts on that how does that work? Yeah that relationship is critical you know technology has to make a lot of assumptions on you know average in order to project what's likely to occur. And, and so it looks at, you know, on average, how long does it take to get loaded? On average, you know, how fast does a truck go? And, and try to determine when that truck is, is likely to be able to deliver a load. But, 
you know, trucking doesn't happen on averages. It happens in the real world. And, and so that's where that relationship becomes so important is, you know, how do we solve those issues as they arise? And, and they're constantly arising. And, and really, so working through those situations, um, that that's where the, the human element still comes in. How quickly can we resolve them? And, and there, there's always a cost associated with that. It's, it's a loss of time. It's additional maybe out of route miles or um, a missed delivery appointment and and so we you know we have to work through all of those situations um, somewhat unique and and so technology is never going to solve that you know mm-hmm. we, trucking happens in the real world and and we got to have the the relationships that help us work through that and, and build that trust that we all we are all working on what's the best solution in every situation. Well, you mentioned uh, some of these things that come up unexpectedly. What has been the some of the most surprising situations that have come up uh, from uh, from uh, drivers the driver's perspective of not being being able to maybe get to an appointment on time? Could it be maybe vehicle maintenance? Could it be maybe the weather? Uh, some other kind of conditions that have come up. What are some of the stories that, that have been shared? Oh, if if it can happen, it has. <laughs> that's, that's just how it is in truck. You know, sure. it's everything from, you know, flat tires and, um, okay. Okay. you know, flooded roads. And, um, you know, there's, you know, like I said, if, if you can imagine it, it's happened. Um, you know, there's just so many variables out there to deal with on the road that, um, you know, a trip across Atlanta is, well, that's you know, two is that weeks. 30 minutes? Is that three and a half hours? <laughs> you know, it, yep. it's just, um, you know, depends upon what, uh, what the traffic's like and, you know, an accident um, up ahead and, and, you know, we can sit for an hour and a half waiting for them to clear the road. You know, uh, Timmy mentioned going through Atlanta, you know, and maybe waiting until after the rush hour. Does this uh, maybe lend some support uh, for the ability for the drivers maybe to stop that clock before they go into the city of Atlanta, maybe wait out that rush hour? How important is the flexibility of maybe stopping that clock? I think it's very important, and I think um, you know you talk about that as being a piece of the hours of service flexibility that the you know FMCSA is looking for. And I think you know, if you, as I know you follow, Atri came out with a little study that they had been working on showing that you know there's there's an eight two split that a driver could use right now if you change that to six and four. And they actually used Atlanta as an example where if you could have a driver be able to take part of that break and miss Atlanta traffic, you know they could potentially gain uh, or I think there's Study showed they could easily gain 90 minutes in that day, uh, and still, um, you know, be a safe driver by keeping on, um, you know, essentially the same clock that they're on. I, I do think, as we look at hours of service flexibility, one of the things I think is important, and, and most drivers that I talk to would say the same thing is, you know, since we've gone to that 10-hour break rule, they are on a regular sleep cycle, and so we want some flexibility, but they don't want it to go so far where they're pushed off that regular sleep cycle. So I think finding that balance is something that the FMCSA is willing to look at, and if that's a you know six four split, uh, five five split, but certainly making it work in a way where you don't you know aren't pushing a driver to to, sp- to change up their sleep cycle day after day. I think that's important. Let's go to Bob, who's going to be first up in Indiana. Bob, appreciate you joining us on the program. The panel mentioned that uh, it's a pretty good day driving about eight point three to maybe eight point six per day. What do you think? Is that good for you? Pretty darn incredible. The question might be, though, with Tim's numbers, um, what percentage of the Crete fleet is home able to do a restart in seven days or less? One of the issues is with the 70-hour 
if you try to average over eight and three quarters, you bump 70. So it's sort of a trade-off. If you try to drive more than eight, eight and a half, you're going to bump 70 unless you're getting home for restarts. Mm. How does that work in the creek fleet? No, that, that certainly comes into play, and uh, you know most drivers would be say that's great if I've got to you know get uh, get home and then take a 34 hour reset. Um, you know, typically we have drivers that work both way, and our operation team that work with them. We have some drivers that want to take that 34 hour reset, get it done, have a fresh 70. We have others that will roll. You know, if you if you're even if you're if you're not going home, but you're working seven, eight, and then nine and ten days in a row, you're usually picking up that you know eight to ten hours a day then as well. Um, as that as that time's dropping off, some like us to manage it, so we're just continuously using that the time they're gaining every day as well. So we really work with the driver and say, hey, what works best for you for your situation? We had, we do have drivers that get home weekly, mm-hmm. and that's what they want. They, they they run their their seventy hours and get home, get a reset, get back out on the road. We have others that prefer to stay out on the road, and some mm-hmm. do say, hey, let me stop at a terminal, let me get maintenance done, let me get some other stuff done, and do my thirty four hour reset there and get back out. And then, like I said, others just kind of roll their clock. So we try to work with what best suits the driver. All right, I've got a break, guys, for some traffic and weather. Drivers, say if you want to get on board and join me in the conversation, love to get you on the, on the air with Tim Ashoff. He is the president CWO of Crete and Schaefer, Jeremy Kirkman on board as well. And he's the vice president of operations for the Crete Carrier Corporation. I want to hear from you guys about how do you define driver productivity? You know, when you look at all of the stuff that you got to do out there on the road, every single day is it a good day if you drive maybe eight hours maybe nine hours a day what is your average driving time what is your average behind the wheel each and every day how would you define being productive as a truck driver let's get your thoughts on that first so let's get some thoughts as to what's going on with the weather and let's do that this minute right here on Sirius XM Drivers, hey, welcome to the program, man. If you're just now tuning into the show, you're late. No, I'm just kidding. Good to have you on board, man. Thanks for joining me on the show. This is the news and information program. It's on every Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 Eastern, and you can reach me right now. Live on the air, the phone number to call in, it's 888-876-2336 or 8888 Road Dog. If you want to do it by the alphabet, that's uh, one way you can get in. Uh, on the phone with me, I've got Tim Ashoff. He is the president and CWO of Crete, and also Jeremy Kirkman, also with Crete, the VP of Operations. And, uh, Tim, I've asked you this on the program before, you know, what keeps you up at night? You know, running one of the uh, two of the biggest uh, trucking fleets in America, man, there's a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? You know, it, there is, but the good thing is, is we have a lot of really good people here at Crete and Schaefer, so I, I do get a lot better sleep than I probably should because we've got a great team managing things day to day. So, uh, you know, that, that's uh, that's the blessing I have. All right, let's get the website out there. I do want to get that out there for the drivers and for the uh, resident folks listening. Uh, best way to reach it by phone, social media, how can I find you? Sure. Certainly all of our brands are available at CreekCarrier.com. The Creek Schaefer and Hunt Transportation information is out there. You can get a hold of our recruiting team through that with chat or otherwise. Uh, certainly out there on Facebook at Creek Carrier and that all of our brands are there as well. Or call in at 800-998. 2221. Okay, very good. Send me all that, of course, and I'll put it up on my site at the end of the show. You know, just to reiterate, you guys have been looking strategically on how you can work with customers to make the best use of a driver's time, but maybe picking up or dropping off a load. Uh, why did you decide to take this approach 
and have the customers responded? What have they said about that? Well, you know, we really decided to take the approach because we know we needed the best do the used excuse me, we needed to make the best use of our drivers' time. And so, you know, our drivers are out there working hard every day. We have to trust them to manage their time. So we need to do what we can to manage uh, what what we do internally and then manage our customer and receiver's time. So that started our focus, and it certainly, as I mentioned earlier, what helped us along the way was when we implemented electronic logs because it really gave us the information then to, to look at each time segment in a driver's day in a load and then have data to go back to a customer. And I can tell you, customers have been very receptive. I mean, we've had a number of customers that were receptive over the last five or six years that we've been doing this. But certainly in the last year when the the time crunch or uh, the the capacity crunch has been out there, they've been more willing to say, okay, we know we have to adapt. We know we have to change. Otherwise, we're not going to get trucks and drivers. So let's seriously talk about what can we do. Uh, And, you know, we've had a number of lanes that we've tried to give back to to customers um, and saying, you know, we just can't do this lane anymore. It's not productive and that's when they've said okay we know you're serious uh, and so we have to figure out what do we do to change and then we walk through them sometimes it's change of appointments sometimes it's allowing drop and hook sometimes it's saying hey it's your receiver issue you need to work with your customer um, can they can they unload differently can they receive differently um, do they need to take it to a third party warehouse and then find somebody to trade over them uh, at a different time so we we've we're making good progress with the conversations now thanks to this capacity crunch. And Jeremy, let me ask you this as well. From the driver's side, the driver perspective, I'm sure they're finding this to be very favorable, correct, in that, uh, making better use of their their time, getting them back uh, out on the road to be more productive, to earn more miles, and to make more money. What has been some of the driver feedback you've heard about what Tim was mentioning? Yeah, absolutely. You know, nobody wants to sit around and wait for a load to get loaded or a, an appointment to come due. And, and um, so, yeah, I'd say overall a lot of positive feedback. Um, you know, if you, I think what you hear probably most frequently is, if I'm going to be out on the road, I need to be working. You know, that's, uh, that's how our drivers make money. And, and so certainly anything we can do to improve the amount of time they're driving and, and reduce the amount of time they're waiting on a customer to take an action. All right. We've got a lot of folks, uh, guys, who want to get in. I've got uh, Gear Slayer coming up in Tennessee, then Matt in Ohio. Varmints is going to be coming up in Nebraska. Seldom Seen is coming up in Virginia. A number of other folks want to get in, guys. And, uh, man, what does it mean to be uh, for you to be productive out there? What is driver productivity? How would you define driver productivity? Is it maybe driving, say, about eight hours a day, eight and a half hours a day? Bob Stanton mentioned early on, that's a really good driving day. Do you drive up to the full 11 hours? Let's hear from you, your thoughts from out there behind the wheel. It is the bottom of the hour. Let me update you with the news. Let's do that this minute right here on Sirius XM. Drivers, hey, welcome back to the program. And again, thank you for everything you guys are doing out there. And thanks to everybody that came by to visit with us at Matt's and uh, to, at Cats, rather, the Great American Truck Show. See, I'm already thinking ahead to Matt's, the Mid-America Truck Show coming up in Louisville. Wow. Uh, but uh, Gats was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Very informative. And uh, thank you to everybody that called in. During the course of the program, you know, what we were hoping for is to give you a little, a little taste of what was going on in Big D. And, uh, Tim, it was good to see you. I know you guys had a full presence there at the Great American Truck Show. And, again, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, we got to get out and we got to see folks face-to-face. That's where we learn from the best meeting with the drivers, isn't it? 
Absolutely, and this year there was a lot of drivers there, and it was great to get to see so many of our Crete Schaefer drivers and other drivers from the industry. And you know, it it always reminds you how great of an industry it is to once you get to talk to all the people in it, and that's why most of us are here is because we get to work with a lot of great people. Absolutely, let's go to Gear Slayer, uh, who's going to be first up in Tennessee. Gear Slayer, thanks for joining me on the show, man. How do you define driver? productivity and how many hours do you drive a day do you drive the full 11 uh, no actually it's deer slayer with the d but i drive eight between eight and eight and a half on, okay. as a on a daily basis and the reason for that is when i'm out here on the road no oh, i'm losing you you're a slayer uh, here, can you hear me oh much better yeah, yeah it sounds like you're on my vonage but uh, go ahead much better <laughs> um, so i the way I see it, I, when I'm out here on the road and I'm not home with my family, I'm at work. Yeah. And my question, and I I put this question to a dispatcher one time when he wanted me to run my hours out and then do a 34-hour restart. I asked him, I said, how often do you come into work on your day off and just sit there all day without getting paid? And he said, well, I never do. I said, but that's what you're asking me to do. Now, if I could do that 34-hour restart at home every weekend, I would run my clock out every day. But while I'm out here, I'll run weeks at a time and never take a day off. But it's always between eight and eight and a half. Now, there's days like today I'm going to run nine, tomorrow I'm going to run about seven and a half. It's just the way the loads are working out. But as long as you keep that average, you never have to take a day off at work. Yeah, I understand. Jeremy, what did you? What would you say to that, uh, to what he's saying based on the amount of hours he's having to roll forward uh, each week? Uh, what are your thoughts on what he said? Yeah, and, and really what we're looking at is the total number of hours that a driver can work on that 70-hour recap. And, and, you know, there are times when, you know, it's either laundry or uh, checking a truck into a shop or, you know, just need that mental break, um, that if we can get those same number of, of miles in seven days and have that eighth day off and, and still end up at the 70-hour cap, you know, for some that that gives them that day to kind of mentally recharge, even if they're not home. Um, and at the end of you know when you when you look at the total miles driven, um, had just as just as successful of an eight day period. Well, let's go next up to Matt in Ohio. Matt, I really appreciate you holding on. What do you think, sir? How do you describe or define driver productivity? What does it mean to you? And have you ever driven up to the full eleven? Are you talking to me now? I am, sir. How are you? Hi, my name is Matt. Um, uh, yeah, I, tr I actually max mine out because I do about 500 mile loads. I use the Move Now for a small two-truck company. Okay. And I like the drop-in hook. Now, to guarantee me to get 3,000 miles, traditionally I would grab loads from the East Coast to the West Coast and then bounce back uh, within seven to day nine days. And that would give me my 3,000 miles guaranteed in a week. Now that I did um, with um, JB Hunt a Move Now app, I'm able, and they do give me all dropping hooks, and um, it, it's great. I love dropping hook. I come in, I yeah. grab it, I'm out, and I can do. I do 10, 11 hours a day. If I don't drive 11 hours, that's because I either took a longer break or for some weird reason got held up at the guard gate trying to get my drop and hook. Yeah, no understood. The average uh, running about eight hours a day. 
uh, for various reasons, you know, construction, weather, truck parking, and things like that. But you like the drop-in hook, man. That's the way to go for you. Would, uh, never never going back to the other way, like waiting around at Chippers? No, well, the waiting around with Chippers as a small company running with your own DOT, okay. I ran flatbed. So one, it was you booked the load that day, and then I had to go there and grab it, and it's, it was an average of two to four hours to load. Okay, right. And, you know, then I would have to tarp. Now I'm doing vans, and I make a little bit less than I know I could do on the flatbed, but I'm not using my own trailer, and the money's about the same because I, I'm staying on the East Coast, and I don't have to go from coast to coast to guarantee those miles are money. Yeah, but, but the drop and hook is really giving you the opportunity to make the money and make the miles out there. And Tim, 3,000 miles on average per week is pretty good uh, that uh, he's able to get all of that in. But again, it goes back to the statement earlier about uh, maybe companies like you know like yours uh, looking at drop and hook, maybe expanding that part of the business to help driver efficiency. Absolutely, and then having the size to have uh, the ability to to purchase a number of trailers to do that. You know, when you, when every time you do a drop and hook load, you're talking typically almost about three trailers. You need you know one on the pickup end uh, that will be uh, loaded, so the driver will come in and drop his empty trailer. Then, then when you get to the other end, you're dropping that loaded trailer and picking up an empty or another loaded one. So, you know, we have to make a significant investment in the trailers to do that. But that's something we're willing to do to provide that driver productivity. Let's go to Varmint's next stop in the state of Nebraska. Varmint, thanks for waiting, man. How do you describe driver productivity? What does it mean to you? Does it mean getting 3,000 miles a week? Uh, how do how would you describe it? And have you ever driven up to the 11 hours? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey. Uh, yes, I generally park my vehicle in the evening uh, with about 10 minutes or less of drive time. Now, I'm a company driver, and I drive a dedicated route, so I pretty much learned, you know, where my parking spots are, where I'm going to run out of time. Um, I run north and south in the central United States, so I don't have a lot of the problems like the east or west coast is with parking. So, I mean, I, as a general rule, run 11 hours a day. Okay, but the uh, truck parking, though, I mean... You know, stopping the clock with about 10 minutes to spare, is that uh, cutting in a little bit too close? I mean, have you ever pushed it up to like the last minute uh, and then found a spot? Well, uh, like I say, I don't have problem finding parking. Okay. And I have my spots pretty much, I mean, I know, I, mean, I deliver to individual stores. So okay, I know sure. where I'm going to be pretty much at what time. Okay, so you got uh, and, those spots all laid out. So you know where to go. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay, Foreman, I appreciate the phone call. And, uh, Jeremy, let me ask you, when you hear from drivers out there about the parking situation, man, that's very, very high on Atri's priority list of concerns out there uh, for the industry. What do you guys do to help drivers navigate uh, through the complexities of finding a spot, uh, you know, especially in light of the fact that some shippers say, man, you can't park here, you got to get out? What do you think? Yeah, it, it should be high on Atri's list. Um, you know, that is one of the big issues that I think we all need to figure out how to resolve. Um, and, and when you look at, at where we lose some productivity, sometimes it is related to i got to find that parking space, and if I am waiting till 
you know, 10 minutes before I'm out of hours. If we're not, if you're not on a dedicated route like that, where you know where you're going to be um, and, and can plan ahead, um, it can create some real challenges. We are having more success with customers now um, with on-site parking. Now, not every facility is large enough to allow on-site parking, but those that do, uh, those that are, um, you know, even in the past when they may have had company policies against allowing drivers to take breaks at their location, uh, we're seeing a change in culture there, um, yeah. trying to make sure that they are as driver-friendly as they can be because, you know, frankly, with the, the capacity situation the way it is, um, you know, they need they need trucks to haul the freight. And we even have customers that even if we're not, even if our driver isn't under one of their loads, will allow our drivers to park and take their break on their facility. You know, Tim, that's uh, really great news from the standpoint of uh, drivers, you know, really pushing that clock up to the last second or minute trying to find a spot out there. Is the the shippers, the consignees, are they changing their philosophy, uh, if you will, and allowing more drivers to park on their, on their lots? What are you finding in your conversation? I think the, the ones that can are, because um, they know that's if I want to get my load picked up and delivered today um, and get the capacity, I, I have to do that because companies like us, we are moving our capacity to, um, you know, drivers that, um, you know, or excuse me, the customers that can provide that service to our drivers. I've got to break one more time, guys, for some quick traffic and weather. We've flown through this hour. Tim Ashoff, the president and CWO of Crete, and Schaefer and Jeremy Kirkman with Creek Carrier Corporation of EP of Operations. And uh, Jeremy, thank you for joining me on the program. Tim, thank you as always. Uh, always great radio to have you on board. Talking about things like driver productivity and uh, what can be done to make the driver's job uh, much more easier out there. And it seems like maybe drop and hook is going to be one of the ways to go, uh, especially with the tight capacity situation and the need for drivers to make miles, you know, to be able to get back out on the road as quickly as possible. I do want to get your social media websites out there again, Tim, where drivers can find you at the company. Sure, you can find Crete Schaefer and Hunt at CreteCarrier.com. We have our Facebook page under Crete Carrier, and you can give us a call at 800-998-2221. All right, very good. Gentlemen, let's try to get some more calls. Um, i got a bunch of folks that want to jump in. Seldom seen next up in Virginia. Welcome to the program, man. Uh, do you drive up to the 11 each day? You're on with Tim and with Jeremy. Yeah, I try to every day. I do, what I do is uh, I get a trip, and if, it, if it's a long haul, I'll figure out how far I can get in that day, and then I'll, I'll uh, back off my stops from there. And if I can't make it, I'll back them off one more, and I got my whole day planned, and I never wind up going over hours. I pulled in last night and clocked out with four minutes left on my 11. So okay, man, it's is that, for me. I, I was going to say, man, is that a little hair-raising, you know, four minutes to go? Uh, yeah. you, wow, that's pretty good. So you got your yeah, stops I, all laid out. I would imagine you know where the parking spots are. To get you in. Yeah, if I get yeah, if I get nervous about it, I'll stop at the one before. You know, if you got if sure. you got a truck stop every twenty to thirty to forty miles, it's easy to figure, okay, I'm not gonna make it to that next one. I'll stop at the one before that and I'll still have twenty minutes left on my clock. No big deal. Yeah, but four minutes though, that's uh, that's enough to yeah, give me gray hair. <laughs> yeah, it's cutting it tight, but I'm not allowed to be all lot truckers. I've been doing this for twenty five years and I ain't got the excitement that a paper lot no more, so I gotta excite myself anyway. Understood. Absolutely, man. Thanks for your safety. I appreciate you joining me on the show. And, Jeremy, that gets down to communication. I mean, if he's able to back off on a stop, 
he, I'm sure, is letting his company know, or if he's an owner-operator, obviously he's the boss, but he, I'm sure he's probably letting the company know that you know, he's going to pull in here, he may have an hour left to go on his clock, but that's where it gets back to the whole idea of the dispatcher, maybe on the other end of the phone, saying, okay, I understand you're the boss, right? Yeah, it's certainly if, if that's what the um, hours allow a driver to do, that's certainly what we have to do. Now where we have to work through that is if that next appointment or next stop was anticipating we would be there before the break, you know, we've got to proactively communicate uh, both from the driver to their dispatcher and then with the customer ultimately as well to make sure that we get that information and, and we to the customer and we get that appointment rescheduled so that when we show up the next morning we can still be productive and, and get in and out of that stop quickly. Tim, I know that you have ridden with a number of your drivers. Uh, you've gone on the road, visited with them, uh, have seen what they've gone through, have visited with the uh, shippers on the other end. What are you finding to be some of the common themes here that uh, maybe drivers are looking for more cooperation with the shippers or shippers wanting to have maybe more cooperation from the trucking industry? Where do we stand with the communication between both sides? Well, we're making great progress, and I think what, what I'm hearing from drivers is they want the shippers and the receivers to understand what really impacts their day from the minute they pull up to the gate to get in, how long does it take, what type of information are they asking for, is there something we as a company could have sent to that gate to, to help them you know, quicker through it, and then certainly get, get in and out of the facility and, and things that the, the shipper can do to help that. You know, We've, we've been to shippers that are, that are talking to us and say, hey, if we put a scale on site, Will that help? Well, absolutely it will because they can you know, scale before they leave. If there's a weight issue, they can get it adjusted versus having to go down the road, get scaled. And if there's a weight issue, they got to come back because that impacts their productivity. So we're, we're getting that feedback from drivers. We're passing it on to shippers. And fortunately, we're having a number of them that are taking action. And before I let you go, Tim, I know you've looked over the four uh, proposals that the FMCSA is looking at uh, to maybe try to tweak the hours of service overall. Do you think it's a good thing? Are we moving in the right direction? Anything that you'd like to maybe add to that that the FMCSA maybe needs to look at? we got about a minute left. Sure. No, I, I think looking at some flexibility is a good thing. Again, uh, within the realm of still ensuring that a driver can get a good night's sleep and be safe, I think the two things that they're focusing on with respect to that half-hour break in an eight-hour period, that can sometimes put drivers in an awkward spot with respect to traffic or otherwise, and then certainly us providing more flexibility, you know, maybe rather than an eight and a two, a six and a four, um, to give them time to miss traffic or, or, or otherwise, maybe weather delay that, that to help make up for that but not flip their entire clock i think those are two great things all right outstanding gentlemen i really appreciate a great hour uh thank you for joining me on the program and uh, tim if you get a chance send me all of the links uh to uh, creed and schaefer and i'll certainly put them up on our social media site as well 